0: This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to Mum in Minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the WISE account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting WISE.com. Kia ora. I'm Damien Venuto, it's September 8th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. A scheme introduced by the government last year meant to end the abuse and exploitation of migrants instead seems to have done quite the opposite. Multiple stories have emerged in recent weeks about migrants brought here under the accredited employer work visa ending up crammed in their dozens inside unsanitary houses with many now facing eviction with nowhere to go. So how is it that this one visa change could spark dozens of investigations, and what needs to be done to fix this blooming scandal? Today, on the front page, we're joined by NZ Herald journalist Lincoln Tan, who offers insight on an immigration controversy that's only set to get worse. Lincoln, you've reported a number of horrific stories of migrant abuse in recent weeks. To start with, can you explain how 24 migrant workers ended up crammed in a three-bedroom house? The
1: 24 workers, it's not an isolated incident. So they're part of this bigger group of Indians and Bangladeshis. We're looking at over 100 spread across six properties. And in this case, well, they were basically duped into coming here by dodgy agents back in their home country, believing that there'll be high-paying jobs waiting for them. They came here and uh, no jobs, no housing, nothing is catered for them and uh, they've paid big money. So the um, agents are are just housing these migrants that they've brought over in the six properties and and 24 is actually... um, a luxurious one. The, the, the worst case I've seen is 39 people in a three-bedroom house.
0: So in some of these instances, the people have been evicted. Where do they go when they've been evicted? The
1: group of 24 have been uh, given a notice of eviction and they have been given until the end of this week. So that means Friday this week. So the Minister of Immigration, Andrew Little, has actually met up with the support workers who are helping them and hoping that they can come up with a solution. Now, the group of 24 um, that are being evicted, they are Sikhs. So they are worried, obviously. I mean, like they say that, um, you know, they'll die in a cold if they are evicted and they've got nowhere to go. But as an uh, emergency case, the, the Sikh temple in Takanini has actually stepped in and said, look, if you've got nowhere to go, we'll give you uh, temporary housing. So that's a bit of a, a relief for them, but still it's not a solution.
0: So the local migrant community is having to step in to help these people. That's right, yeah. What are some of the other shocking cases that have emerged in your reporting?
1: Oh God, there's a lot. I mean, um, different communities have got different kinds of shocking stories to share. And, and, And I've covered like from the Nepalese to South Americans to the Bangladeshis to Indians and the Chinese. And I guess uh, from the South American group, one of the cases that I spoke to this um, young woman, 24 years old, who's from Peru, and she had to borrow like an equivalent to slightly over 30,000 New Zealand dollars to come here. That money was borrowed from gang-related loan sharks. So it's not like, you know, the banks where if you don't pay back everything will, you know, you probably just lose your home. In this case, she and her family could lose their lives. So um, she is actually currently still here, overstaying and working in the sex industry. And again, it's it, she's also one of these victims who were duped into coming here, thinking that there's going to be a high-paying job, but actually there's nothing for them.
0: They told me that New Zealand is looking for workers like us, and they pay really high wages and salaries. We only worked for eight weeks after we arrived in New Zealand and then after eight weeks we were out of a job. I was still working on the construction site in the morning and when it was approaching the lunch break somebody from the project team told us you do not need to come back to work tomorrow. Lincoln, can you talk to us about how these workers are lured over here? Because, I mean, if these stories are coming from South America, China, Nepal, India, Bangladesh, how is it that the scam is being operated?
1: Now, I'm not sure whether you can call it a scam or is it fraud? You see, I mean, like, uh, immigration is talking about migrant exploitation, but in a lot of these cases, there's no exploitation yet. As such, I mean, it's more fraud, I feel. So when you've got this policy that allows employers to go relatively unchecked to get an accreditation to bring workers from overseas, you're going to get some crooked minds, uh, agents, who would capitalise on that. I mean, like, if you open up New Zealand, uh, no checks for drugs, for example, then you're going to get flooded, obviously, by drunk mules. And it's the same story here. So these uh, agents have actually come up with this whole recruitment campaign overseas, promising people that uh, of of a better life, of high-paying jobs, of pathway to sponsor their parents, their families. And so basically, it's just selling them that false dream. And a lot of these people are not from the big cities. So they are being recruited from the smaller towns, and this is like selling them that lotto ticket of hope. And they are prepared to pay a lot of money to come here and, you know, basically... When they land here, they just find out that it's all false.
0: So, Lincoln, given that a lot of this has been attributed to that accredited employer work visa scheme, how was that scheme meant to work in practice? It was um,
1: meant to fill in a gap in skills. So we needed a lot of people to come here to work post-COVID. And the government uh, actually came up with this scheme. It's a very high trust kind of thing. So employers can declare themselves to be profitable, to be legit. And then they get this accreditation where they can just quickly bring people over. And it's meant to fill in that skills gap. And according to immigration, that it's also a way to stamp out migrant exploitation. But obviously it's gone the other way.
0: How many employers or firms are currently being investigated for misuse of the scheme? The number
1: keeps increasing by the day. just a couple of weeks ago it was one hundred and sixty four as of last Friday, it was one eight eight and I believe it would have hit two hundred now.
0: Are you surprised at all that the scheme has seemingly fallen apart and been abused so quickly? Surprise is not the word.
1: I mean like I gave the example earlier. If you actually make it easy for for bad actors for for crooked minds to work, then obviously it's going to happen, and I'm, I'm I'm quite surprised actually that the the government or immigration didn't pick this up
0: earlier. If you're enjoying this episode of the front page, brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Lincoln, just for a bit of context here, can you explain what the previous approach was to employing migrant workers in New Zealand and why it was replaced by this accredited visa scheme? So pre-COVID,
1: for an employer to get work visas to bring um, workers over, there's a lot of paperwork. So they've got to prove that they are profitable. So, you know, there's, they've got to show their PL And then they've got to also show that there's no New Zealanders who can do the job, and that is through advertising and, and you know, other forms of, of proof that they've got to show before they can get permission to bring employees over from overseas. So the whole idea of this accredited scheme is actually to, to speed things up post-COVID when, you know, there's a desperate need for workers by businesses. So it's it, it sort of, it's a shortcut way where there are no checks. And uh, that's the other story that I'm working on. It's only a very, very small percentage of businesses uh, that are being uh, verified. Immigration doesn't have the resources to check the, what, 70,000 accredited uh, employers that they've granted the status to. Only um, a small percentage of that is being checked.
0: The immigration portfolio has been passed through several ministers in recent years. We've had Chris Farfoy, Michael Wood, and now Andrew Little, who has called for a review into this visa scheme. What is the view among the migrant community around how the government has handled immigration over the last few years? You have to understand that for
1: migrant communities, immigration is probably the most important portfolio so the, the, the feeling that they have is this government is not taking immigration seriously.
0: Do you think that that could
1: potentially cost the government votes in the coming election? Definitely. I mean, it's going to cost them a lot of votes. I mean, even if you look at comments on social media, traditionally, Labour supporters like even the Indian communities and all that, you can see the comments are now turning away from Labour. And um, a lot of this has to do with the immigration factor.
0: What are the alternative solutions here being offered by other political parties this election to tackle immigration?
1: Well, I haven't actually heard what the other parties are offering because I don't think even National has released their immigration policy. But I did uh, have quite a long chat with Erica Stanford last Sunday and on this particular accredited work visa thing, According to Erica, if, the, if it's a national government, she's going to bring back all the checks and balances that was linked to this scheme prior to the, the easing of it. Uh, at the last New Zealand Association for Migration and Investment conference on Friday, the Green Party also said that they would involve the unions in helping with checks of employers. So I think that the other parties are promising you know, a tightening up of in particular this accredited uh, employer's scheme.
0: At this immigration conference today, the politicians in attendance were questioned over what they'd change if in government. The Greens would like to see the link to a single employer removed. The coupling work visas from single employers, maybe having open war rights or tying it to a sector, would ensure that workers have more freedom to leave exploitative conditions. ACT also wants to see that restriction scrapped alongside visa time limits and minimum wage requirements. Given that this scheme was designed to limit employer abuse, what needs to be done in the minds of those on the ground to limit this type of exploitation? What do they want to see? I think
1: for people on the ground, it's it's obvious that they, they have to pick up the shit, right? What they want to see is actually more checks. Some of the stories that I'm working on, it's, it's quite astonishing how some employers are getting through These are employers in industries that should not be hiring migrants at all, but they are being accredited. They want systems in place now to help those migrants already here because I think a large part of the blame um, is being put on the government.
0: Lincoln, you've mentioned that you are working on some additional stories already, but how many more horror stories are we going to hear in the coming months and weeks on this issue? Quite a few because um, cases are coming out from the, the woodwork.
1: I've got uh, different communities coming forward now. I mean, I've got um, a group of Filipinos who, who's um, sharing their plight, along with some from Uzbekistan. Also, in fact, yesterday I was just at a massage parlor I was speaking to a worker who was brought here by uh, an accredited employer. And then um, when she asked about not having a job, she was actually sent to do sex work um, down in the North Shore. So um, you're going to hear plenty more.
0: Given the troubles successive governments have had around tackling productivity, low wages, migration levels, is anyone expecting a quick solution or could the next Band-Aid actually make things a little bit worse? There's not going to
1: be a quick solution and and simply because the mess is just too big now. Erica Stanford um, estimates there's thousands of of victims and I think um, I'd agree with her because I've gone to immigration and and they're they're putting my request for numbers uh, as an OIA request so that won't come back anytime soon. Uh, But yes, I mean, if you've got thousands already here and thousands more expected to come, this is just going to get bigger. And by the time we actually start finding practical ways to help the migrants, it's probably going to be too messy to to actually have a a quick fix. So good luck to whoever's uh, taking over immigration in the next government.
0: Thanks for joining us, Lincoln. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. Subscribe to The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.